We'll be doing Blue Jays talk this afternoon, <clears throat> by the way. So the Jays and White Sox want to play a four-hour game. That would really cut down on our, <clears throat> our time on air. They should feel free to do that. Bum, 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 bum. What are you looking at me like that for? 307 first pitch on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The, the, oh, Jesus, that startled me for a minute. Sportsnet 590, the fan. We've got a uh, monitor in here that is a live feed of the Rogers Center, and they're getting some stuff ready for the, the telecast today. And I just happened to look over there, and it was, boom, white socks in big letters, kind of. Mm. You know what happens when you're old. Yeah, things, you're out old. The, things out of the corner of your eyes. I was just looking to see if there's any any players there. You see any players? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, see, not, down players. Third, That's not players. That's people working on the field. No, there's a dude in uh, down the third baseline that is, anyhow. It's 11 o'clock. Hey, when Brian Butterfield was here, Brian Butterfield <laughs> yeah, would, yeah. Be in the, would be in the uh, clubhouse at like 6.30 in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, Liam Hendricks, the White Sox closer, scheduled to join us later on. Uh, in the show, always good to catch up with Liam. And um, speaking of swinging miss stuff out of the bullpen, Ooh. speaking about no brainers in your bullpen, there's a, he beats the guy in the on deck circle. Yeah, there's only a handful of those people in, in Major League Baseball. I mean, how, how nice He's would one it, of them? How would it, nice would it be to have a close and go, Liam? Can you give me an inning in two thirds today? All right. Anyhow, mm. you'd rather not have to do that. No, but. Uh, not going to last long, probably, but reliable. He can durable. do it. Yeah, I that that some of the the work we saw out of him when he was with the Athletics a couple of years ago in the playoffs. It was like Pedro Martinez stuff when Pedro was with the Red Sox mm-hmm. and he came out of the bullpen with his he had a sore arm and he was basically side arming it in the playoffs. And, and Liam's got clean mechanics. Yeah, repeatable. It's simple. Not a lot to it. Yeah, comes it's out funny. hot. I remember him when he was here, and I just thought he was such a useful guy. And I, I can't remember the machinations that led to him leaving, but I just I, I thought he was kind of a useful useful guy. Let's bring in Dan Schulman. Speaking of useful, Absolutely. Blue Jays play-by-play voice on Sportsnet. Absolutely. Mr. Schulman, how are you, my friend? I'm good, and I've got very good mechanics. My delivery is very repeatable. Oh, well, there's a yeah, nice. There's no doubt about that. Well, you you have them. very good mechanics. You, you have, have very good mechanics. Um, <laughs> uh, hey, before we jump in, uh, Jason Benetti, I, I heard the interview with him. Um, and, I mean, just a, a jewel of a human being. Like, as good a guy uh, as there is in the industry, I've gotten to know him quite well. You talked about the White Sox and Peacock. He also works uh, for ESPN. And we yes. just... Um, we actually, last night, actually went out and had a drink with him after the game at Len Casper, the radio voice of the White Sox, another great guy, longtime TV voice of the Cubs. But Jason is as good a guy, as talented, as nice as you'll meet. And he's a Syracuse guy, and nothing to do with me. He's like taking my son under his wing. He's kind of my son's mentor. And just my son calls him every week and pesters the heck out of him. And Jason is like, Let's do this, man, and, and critiques him every uh, every week. And uh, the White Sox are in great hands for the next twenty five or thirty years. Dan, Dan how hard is that when you when you do Absolutely. it in different platforms? You do it for different teams. Is that hard to do? What's the hardest thing about doing that? 
Yeah, doing a Blue Jay game and doing, so say, for example, for me, an ESPN Sunday night game when I did that are two completely different things. So, you know, say it's August and I'm doing the Twins and the White Sox, I might not have done a game for those teams at all that season, depending on the quirks of the schedule. So you're basically spending all week trying to learn the teams as well as the two local fan bases do because you know the Chicago and the Minneapolis people are watching, hey, our team's on national television. Let's see if the the ESPN guys or the Peacock guys, whatever it is, if they really know our teams. And, And so it's totally different because you don't have those relationships. When you do a Blue Jay game, obviously I'm dialed in on the Blue Jays, being with them every day. And then I do work on the White Sox, uh, but our audience is obviously much more focused on the Blue Jays. So I'm not doing the same amount of White Sox research for a Sportsnet game as I am for an ESPN game. It's it's totally different. But like Jason, um, I've kind of bounced back and forth between the two my entire career. So you know what the routines are. You know what the audience is looking for. Uh, and I've always really enjoyed and felt blessed that I have both because, you know, it's like, uh, it, it's like scratching a different itch. You know what I mean? Sure. This, this is fun in this way, and this is fun in that way, and I'm, I've been very lucky to do Dan, both. Dan, is it hard not to have, like, a, a different home run call for each team you're covering? Like, you know, you get a little excited, you may call it in a different way. Or do you try, <laughs> or do you try and stay, you know, as, as even kill as possible when it comes to those kind of things? Well, I'll give you a two-part answer to that question. So the first thing is when you're doing an ESPN game or Peacock again, whatever it is, uh-huh. the college basketball that I do, it's the same thing. You have to be neutral. You're you're broadcasting sure. to a national U.S. audience. And if I do a Duke-Carolina game or a Yankees-Red Sox game, doesn't matter, there's always going to be a certain percentage of the audience that thinks you're pro this team and a certain percentage that thinks you're pro that team. Everybody thinks that the national guys hate their team. Everybody. Because they, God bless them, they hear what they want to hear. They hear how they hear, and you can't talk them out of it. Um, But I'll tell you the real tricky one. It's the the in-the-middle thing. Let's say I have, and, and this doesn't happen very often, um, but let's say I have or had a Blue Jay game for ESPN. Now, uh-huh. you know, it's a little bit different. Um, and again, I've got to be totally neutral. So I called a bunch of playoff games for the Blue Jays for ESPN radio um, called the Kansas City Series back in 2015. Um, but you've got to be totally neutral there because you're not working for uh, a home audience or a home network, you're working for a U.S. national network. So, just, you know, just little reminders. Again, I'm I'm so old. I've been doing this a long time. So I've kind of I've kind of had to figure all this out over the years. Sure. But it is a little bit different depending on the situation. Uh, Dan, just uh, shifting focus to uh, to the Blue Jays. Uh, will I guess we'll hopefully we'll have more information on Hyunjin Ryu today. I think I think Charlie suggested there was going to be some imaging done. Uh, on the forearm in his in his post game news conference, uh, if look if Hyunjin Ryu is not available in the immediate future and the intermediate future, how how do you, how do you see the Jays playing this? Because Kevin and I were talking about this. I don't know about you, but I I like Ross Stripling doing what Ross Stripling is doing right now. And I listen. I have no problem if they're going to put him in the rotation. I know he's got five pitches now and all that. But how do you see them playing this if we're looking at, let's say, three to four weeks of no Ryu? Right. And it's a great question. And I heard you guys talking earlier in the last hour when, and I think, Jeff, you posted to Kevin, I think, you got three things. You need a swing and a miss reliever. You need a left-handed bat. You need a starter. If you need those three. Right. You know, what's your highest priority? It's a great question. Absolutely. Because 
you could make a valid case for any of the three. There's no sure. wrong answer there. So, so the first thing you got to do is obviously figure out what's going on with Ryu before you, uh, you jump the gun or anything like that. I, I haven't, I, I don't have off the top of my head, how many off days do they have in the next three, four weeks? Because every time you've got an off day, you don't need a fifth unless you want to give the other four guys an extra day of rest. And really, it was Ryu that they wanted to give the extra day of rest to. So if he's not in the picture, you can kind of roll the four and then maybe spot start a stripling or somebody in there. So as much as I think, you know, if Ryu's going to be out, obviously they're going to need to get somebody uh, or move stripling in. The problem with moving stripling in, and I think Ross would do fine, he's proven he will do fine, is now who's stripling in the bullpen? They don't have that guy right now. And, and like, how important were those eight outs last night? So I think you got to take a bit of a wait and see on the Ryu situation, see what it is. But then you got to move. And it's early. It's June the 2nd. Like, they didn't get Simber Richards till late June, early July last year. And even that was early. But I think as, uh, you know, this bullpen, to me, has been better than the numbers say it is they're mm-hmm. soaking up a ton of high leverage innings like the most in baseball can i throw some names at you just for fun some yeah, sure. names can we have some fun here let's let's do this I, um i i think they i do think they need a guy and i think it's kind of at the jimmy garcia level like a guy you're comfortable with against the heart of the order or he can be your eighth inning guy if you want to use that term or he can close if romano needs a day off um the cubs uh, uh, remember Michael Gibbons, an Oriole reliever yes. for many years, having a good year, um, gets swing and miss, free agent at the end of the year. The Rockies have Daniel Bard, who throws 98 with a big-time slider, and he is having a good year for them. He's gotten a bunch of saves. And then my favorite one, I'm going to go back to the Cubs, uh, David Robertson. Like I, I think a lot of people forget David Robertson is still in the majors because, oh, yeah, didn't he come out of retirement and try to pitch in the Olympics? And he yes. did. And look, look, up, look up David Robertson's numbers uh, this year for the Cubs. They are off the charts. And this is a guy who has closed, who has set up. You know, he'll do either role. Um, I, I think one of those guys would be an immense help to the Blue Jays. And you kind of this year, you kind of want to attack – the bullpen issues, whatever you feel they may be, before mm-hmm. the cracks become a little bit bigger, right? Yeah. Like the stakes, mm-hmm. the stakes are too high. To do that, you got to make a trade early. To do that, you got to give up more. Every that's the that's the issue, um, you know. And then we could have the whole Andrew Benintendi conversation too. I I think if you get a swing and miss reliever and a guy like Andrew Benintendi. You can play with any team in baseball. I, I, I really feel that way. Yeah, Ross yeah. doesn't have an easy job, that, that's for sure. Sticking with the pitching thing, yeah. anything that you've seen from Jose Barrios that would scare you? Well, I mean, the, the amount of hard contact all season long is concerning because there were a couple of starts early. One, at, one against Boston comes to mind where the final line was six innings, eight hits, two runs, whatever it was. But there was a lot of hard contact, and then he made – really good pitches to strand a couple of runners to get out of a jam. He had one great start maybe two weeks ago, but then the last one, it all just kind of, you know, it crumbled on him. So I think there is some concern there because it's not just one start where there's been hard contact, but you know, his velocity was down in the last start as I'm sure you guys have discussed. So what I want to see, when is he starting next Saturday? I think it's Saturday. Saturday, yes. Is, you know, the first thing is, okay, what does the radar gun say on that first fastball? Um, but he's, 
he's just got to locate better. And, and it's not that he's walking guys. I think he's making mistakes over the heart of the plate. And he's a guy who's, you know, he's not a finesse guy. I wouldn't call him that, but he's not really a power guy either. I'd say he's somewhere in the middle. He's got to hit his spots. He's got to, you know, he's, he's got to pitch and, and get some weak contact and get some quick outs and get a little bit of swing and miss. So, yeah, I do think there's a concern there. I am certainly not willing to say, um, you know, you can't trust him as the number three. Like, nowhere near that. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got a proven – he's got a really, really good proven track record. Um, you know, the first thing you hope for is he's healthy, and then let's see if he can command the ball a little bit better over the next couple of weeks. Um, Vladdy's home run last night, the 414-foot home run um, hit, hit in the uh, – in the eighth inning after, after Bo was walked. Uh, how do you, like, do you believe in turning points for guys here, Dan, that one hit, especially the last hit of the game can carry over the next day? Right. Well, can we talk about Bo's three walks for us? Let's talk about I mean, Bo's three walks. Yeah. <laughs> career high. Yeah. Yeah. The first time he's done that and yes. took pitches we've seen him swing at before. Like mm-hmm. to me, and I'm going to try, if I can get to, if I can find him today, I'm going to say to him, is this, are you trying to take more? Like, and, and Bo's been asked about being a free swinger so much. I don't want to make him roll his eyes as soon as I ask him the question. But, but Bo walked three times last night. Guriel has walked seven times in the last seven games. Yeah. He walked six times in the first 43 games of the season. Mm. Um, something's going on. And it's, they've got more runners on. And the more you got runners on, the more the pitcher's got to throw strikes to the next guy. And, and so... I think this is a big reason why the offense has been better is they've been a little bit more patient. But um, I'm not a huge one at bat. And, and again, I always defer to Kevin on these kinds of things because, you know, I never played for anybody more than North York Chev Olds when I was a 12-year-old playing in the Willowdale, <laughs> Willowdale Boys Club League. So, um, and even then, if they could have pinch hit for me, they would have pinch hit for me. But um, I'm not a huge believer in one at bat can change a season. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think you got to come out and do it the next day and the next day. And, and over a few days, your confidence grows and suddenly the ball starts looking a little bit bigger and, and the game slows down for you. Now, again, I've never done it. Kevin, you've done it. Vladdy's on a unique level where he's done it at a level that 99% of big leaguers never even get to. Um, you, you hope so. Uh, you hope so. But like earlier on, his at bats, Earlier in the game last night, it wasn't like line drive to third, fly ball to deep left. You know, they he hasn't looked like himself for several days now. So you hope, you hope, but I, I think you gotta you gotta back it up with four or five more uh, competitive at bats today. Dan, I'm with you, but you you've been around long enough to know you've been around good enough hitters to know you could see when he got the infield single how happy he was, how just you know that that one for four is better than zero for four, which would make my oh, yeah. at bat that much easier. And it's gravy, like I you know I'm playing with house money. If I get a hit, my because I got that infield single. It just seems like that's the thing that's sort of contagious is it's about performance. You know, these, these guys work so hard off the field that they got to start seeing that translate on the field. And that's about performance. Like you're seeing it, you know, actually coming to, to fruition just by that performance. And I see that a little bit with Vlad. They need Vladdy. Like the plain and simple, we can say all these other things about Matt Chapman yeah. needs, to, needs to get going. And, you know, if they're going to go to where they want to go, for me, it's T. Oscar and Vladdy. If those two are yeah. those two are going to take them where they they want to go, basically, I, I agree with you 100. percent Sometimes um, we can overlook some things or overcomplicate some things, and and you're right. And and even if Vladdy's not 100 percent of Vladdy from last year, if he's 85 percent of that, even if T. Oscar's not 100 percent of T. Oscar from last year, if he's 85 percent of that, that 
that is huge for them because the difference between that and what they're doing now is is pretty sizable. You know, you've got Kirk coming on. You've got Jansen hitting great. You've got Bo looking like Bo again. You've got Guriel hitting better. They've got enough guys to be a, a very good offensive team. I'm still a proponent to go out and get somebody, a left-handed bat, and I mentioned Benintendi or somebody like that earlier, but I, but I think you're right. The um, the If Laddie gets going at a reasonable level and Teoscar gets going at a reasonable level, you know what else it does? It makes Charlie's decisions easier. It gives the high leverage relievers uh, more of a break. Sometimes the best thing for a bullpen is the offense, as counterintuitive as that sounds. They um, they need to win games by more than one run every now and again to give those guys a break. Dan, Dan whenever I see Danny Jansen standing around on top of the plate and turning and burning, man, I wish when I went back in my career, wow, I wish I could have done that. Like, I just, just, I dare you to throw it in here so I can turn and burn on it. Do you believe offensively in this Danny Jansen? I do. I, I do. Now, do I think he's going to hit 38 home runs this year? I don't. But but do I think he's going to be a very, you know, a good offensive performer, um, hit for some power? Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, he's a strong guy. He did this in the minors. He, you know, he came up with more of a bat reputation than a glove reputation in the minors, you know. And um, we saw it last year in September. I went back this morning, and, I, you know, I don't think Danny will be in the lineup today, so it's something I'll save for tomorrow but last year when he came off the il it was august the 31st and he hit over 300 i can't remember what it was in september he had 19 hits 14 of them were extra base hits eight doubles and six homers now this year he's got seven home runs in 16 games so in his last 35 games i think he's got 14 home runs and nine doubles or something like that i don't know if he's going to hit 290 i don't care if he's going to hit 290 he's good he hits the ball hard when he hits it um, and, you know, when you pull it as much as you do, sometimes 360 feet will get it out, whereas, you know, 390 to center might not get it out. So uh, I talked to him about it about a week ago, and he said, you know what, I'm just trying to clear my mind. This is who I am. Um, it, if This is how I'm going to be more successful. And he said, it, he said it's strange. Sometimes when I'm trying to pull, I end up actually hitting the ball a little bit harder the opposite field, depending on the type of pitch it is. But he's really just trying to simplify things. And it's a great example of how if you're Guillermo Martinez or, or whoever you are, you can't treat Danny Jansen the same way you treat Vladdy or Bo or, or Biggio. They're all different. Like, mm-hmm. look how different the swings are and the, the approach is from all of these guys. And, and uh, you know, it, it, if I had a kid now who was playing baseball, I don't necessarily think I would tell him to do the way Jansen's doing or the way that Bo's doing. But you got to find out what works for the guy, and and good for Danny, and good for the Blue Jays that they have, you know, they have locked into something here that's working right now. Danny, really good of you to do this, my friend. Thanks so much. Great stuff. Thank you. Hey, you made my drive down to the ballpark go much quicker. I appreciate it. Nice. There You're you welcome. Go. Take care, Dan Shulman, uh, Blue Jays voice on that's, sports. Oh, that's great stuff. I mean, he nailed all that stuff. That's that's to to say that that you know it's it's one thing to to. All, do all the stuff that they do off the field. And I was one of those guys. I would work way too hard. When you're struggling, sometimes it's better to back off. But that's impossible. Like, we, there's so many things that these guys are asked to do offensively. And then you ask them to back off a little bit and sometimes take do less. And then they're just not seeing that 
translate on the field. And then you start second-guessing yourself. And when you second-guess yourself, now you go back to the drawing board. And right. when you do that, it takes more time. And that's sort of what Vladdy's going through. It's like you could just see it churning there. Man, I, I did this in batting practice, and it worked. I was hitting balls so hard, and then I get in the game, and I'm doing nothing. It's just not working. And why is that? And you can see it churning. And I, and there's something to that one hit that you noticed when he was – you yeah, I, I'm kind of with – look, I, I, I'm with Dan, though. I, look, Johnny Cueto today could come out and add and subtract, and he so could like have Vladdy. He's like a knuckleball guy. you got to be careful he with He could have Vladdy guys. tied up into knots. Let's hope not. Um, put him in another slump. Well, I was going to say, we used oh. to, you don't hear that much. We used to talk about guys who could put you in a slump. Oh, he's well, he's the guy. He, all, all the – when do I start? When do I start my swing? When do yeah. I, and it's Vladdy's lower half, which he's playing catch-up with. And then you got a guy that's going to do all that twisting himself in the ground, and he'll throw an underhand pitch. He'll do whatever it takes to get you out. you got to be careful, Yeah, these guys. No, it, it's uh, that's one thing I do believe is that there are starting pitchers who can who can put you in. And I, it, they're just they're guys. You, you play the game. You know, they're guys who, I mean, you're going to be, after facing them, you wake up. I've heard guys say, you wake up two days later, you're still reliving the third at bat against a guy. And you're standing in the on-deck circle coming yeah. in against somebody else, and you're going, Jesus, if only I hadn't swung at that. And yeah. it's just, it's a, I mean, they're human beings. It's like, it's Lord, it's like Lord yesterday when he went, when he uh, swung through, I think, the slider or the hanging curveball, and he went over on the iPad, and you could see him, like, yeah. messing with his hands. Like, 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 ah, like, are you kidding me? How did I miss that? I yeah. love Tabler's line. I was actually going to, I was actually going to tell us to, uh, while see Tabler at the park today, his line about Dan, a Dan asked him about how would you use the, the iPad? He said, I wouldn't go over and look after I've had a bad swing. I'd go over and look after <laughs> I feel bad. I'd go, yeah, I don't want it to make me feel bad. I'd go over and look at it after I had a good swing on it to make me feel better. And I thought that's exactly, that's exactly how I'd be. That's I mean, exactly how I'd be. I, I think, I think I'd be down the middle. Cause I, I would really want to know all that stuff I'm doing. Is it working? Let me see it. Whether but wouldn't you want to remember, and I guess I, this is, I was going to say it's a point, but wouldn't you want to remember the good stuff instead of the bad stuff? Well, it's sort of like if you see it, you can correct it quicker. I, That's I guess. the point of I the guess. iPad yeah, is, yeah. is you know, if I, when I was getting that pitch in batting practice and I just got it and I was doing it right with whatever they're trying to work on right. and I did it exactly right and it didn't work, well, I'm going to erase that. I'm not going to do it again and I can move on to something else. That, I think, is what the iPad, they're digging into it a little bit more than just flipping through it and seeing what the pitch is. They're actually focusing on one specific thing to see if it's actually working or not. Danny made a great point about, about Guriel and Bo walking more. And, you know, we, we've, We've kind of had fun in the show about hitting is contagious and hitting isn't contagious. And I say, yeah. I don't think hitting is contagious. Monkeypox is contagious. <laughs> but I wonder, and you've talked about this. I, I do believe approach is contagious. Absolutely. I, I do believe that. And if you're Lourdes or if you're, these, if you're seeing Bo take walk three times in a game, and as Dan said, you know, just not, not it's not that he, he didn't even offer it pitches he usually swings at. Sure. That has to, that has to have some sort of an impact down the order, doesn't you think, it? You think about Vladdy. Vladdy has come with a real realization that he can't swing at everything and have success at the big league level that right. he wants to have. He's going to have to have better approaches. And if you watch your buddy in front of you walking three times, and you're thinking, man, if he's doing that, if I go zero for one with three rocks, that's a pretty good day. That's yeah. not a bad day. Zero for four don't look real good, does it? Those are what you're talking about. Good approaches, contagious, passing the baton that way with you take that pitcher's pitch. Even though you could fall behind an account, 
like Danny Jansen was 0-2. He took a, a, a fastball that was a little middle way mm -hmm. that was the second strike. You know why? Because he can't get the head out on yeah. that thing. That's why he didn't swing at it. That's an approach that's buying into what you do well. Forget about what he's trying to do to me. I can't hit that. Why would I swing at it? And Vladdy's going through that. He can't, he can't cover the entire strike zone. And now he's coming to that realization, and he's living it. Yeah. Figure now, it out. It would what you were just saying about Danny Jansen, that kind of reminds me of the stuff Josh Donaldson used to say. Don't come up to me after I've had an 11-pitch at-bat and tell me it's a good at-bat if I fouled off the, be the best pitch of the at-bat and it was the second pitch. I just basically is. wasted nine swings. There you did. Don't tell me that. And that's kind of the same thing uh, in some ways with Danny Jansen. Uh, Liam Hendricks is a Chicago White Sox closer. The White Sox and Jays will wrap up their three-game series this afternoon. 307 first pitch at the Rogers Center right here on Sportsnet 590. The fan and on Sportsnet, Liam Hendricks is next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fan 360 and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Ailish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Parker's back leg bits in just a few moments. That's your opportunity to talk to Kevin Barker. You can DM me. My Twitter handle is SNJeffler. We've already got a couple of testing questions for Mr. Barker, but uh, but but we're always we're always open for business. We never close here. So for the do. people. Uh, 307 will be the first pitch this afternoon at the Rogers Center. The White Sox and Jays wrapping up their three-game series. Mr. Barker and myself will be on Blue Jays Talk immediately following the game right up till 7 o'clock Eastern. So if it's a fast game, we got a lot to talk about. If it's a slow game, Barker gets to kick back a bit. That's new. Um... How much time have we spent talking about bullpen usage on this show, Kevin, this year? Every day. Yeah, pretty much. Um, when I knew that uh, we were going to get Liam Hendricks on the line, I mean, I went back and looked at Liam Hendricks day to day. Uh, you, you okay there? Nope. You got a hairball? You're all right? Okay. It's in there. I went back and looked at Liam Hendricks uh, day to day over the past couple of years, and then I just... And I mean it over the past couple of years. And my eyes just kind of glazed over after a while because there's... There's a lot of work He's there. He's really good. Yeah, he really is. And Liam Hendricks joins us in Blair and Barker. Liam, thanks so much for taking time out to talk to us today. So I got to I got to tell you, I focused in on uh, Ben Clements did an article on Fangraphs on May 10th, um, and that was just after you know it was the night I I, I believe uh, you gave up a single and a grand slam to tie the game. But uh, reading this article, uh, you made five appearances in six days without allowing a run. Um, and then Ben goes on to talk about how in the past three years, uh, you have six in the past three years, pitchers have pitched six games in eight days, 23 times. You've done that three of those. Um, how do you do this? <laughs> Just simple question. How do you do this? Well, that's actually fascinating. Cause I didn't know I've done it three times. I know I've done it a couple, but, um, so I do the same thing at the field every day. And so it's, yeah, I pretty much just trick my mind into the fact of, or trick my body, trick anything I can, really. Is I play long toss every day. I throw a flat ground every day, and that's, that's my entire kind of workout program. It's, uh, it's a whole lot of throwing, and if I can trick myself into doing that, then I can trick myself into being able to pitch. 
Yeah, it's working. Uh, Liam, the, the, the elite guys, when they do something at the big league level, I always wonder, do, they, do you have goals when you go into a season? Do you set certain things like, you know, it's innings pitched, it's strikeouts, is it, is it saves? Do you have goals that so you have certain things that you're working towards to the end of the season? I have goals, but I make sure to never cap them. So it's nothing like I'm ever going to go out there and like, okay, I want to make sure I get to this number. It, it may not be possible, but I never, I never add that. It may not be possible. So my goal pretty much every year since I've kind of um, been up is always to pitch in 70 games. Um, and then it never used to be like with a safe thing because I was a kind of a mediocre middle reliever for a number of years. And then um, since I've taken over kind of the ninth inning role, it's been to get to 40 saves. Now every year is to get to 100 strikeouts. It's to less than 10 walks. It's um, it's those things like that. It's uh, it's a sub, usually a sub two, sub two and a half ERA. Uh, just a little like the counting stuff like that that I like to go to. But it's also something that it's a an aspiration where I put it on and put it out into the universe early on in the season. But then don't really focus on it after that. It's uh, it's a very much like I'm going to put it out there, but I'm not going to sit there and focus on it every single day because. You could go out there and in a week you're not getting in that, like a save opportunity, or you go out there and you get a, one outing in a week, and it's really hard to add those counting stats into that little bit. But then when you go uh, six of eight, that definitely helps a lot of those things. Yeah, because of the short. <laughs> and they wouldn't let me out there for the. They wouldn't let me out there again. So I had. Uh, <laughs> I, went five, I went five saves in a row. I went five saves in a row. I had an off day in the middle. I went save against the, uh, the Angels, two against the Cubs, off day, two against Boston. And they would not let me go out for the six. There was a save opportunity, and that would have been a major league tying record. But they said no. So I'm still I'm still annoyed at that because I told them like I'm going to be better today than I am going to be tomorrow. And then I pitched the next day, and then that's when I gave up the single and the granny. Yeah. <laughs> Liam, are you are you a scoreboard guy watcher like like uh, Jordan Romano is a big scoreboard guy where he throws a fastball, he turns around, looks at the mile per hour to see like if he's got to give it a little extra gear, give it a little extra something. Are you that guy? Oh, 100%. I check every pitch. I have since I threw 90, though. So it's like I've just done that as my as part of my career because it's uh, even when I started, I didn't throw very hard. You wanted the uh, you wanted to know what you were throwing at to where you could go to it. So my big thing is I don't care where the fastball's at. The fastball's all about how it plays. It doesn't matter the velocity. It's all about – that's why I like the J Stadium where we're sitting right now. It has the pitch break. So I can throw a fastball and be like, okay, it says it's 94, but the uh, induced vertical break was 20, so like that's right where I need to be. Mm-hmm. And then for me, it's mainly checking off speed. So like I can tell when I'm overthrowing a slider if it's 92, 91 sometimes, depending on how it comes out. But my big thing is that with the curveball, if I start seeing that above 85, that means I need to kind of slow it down a little bit and just kind of get back to the mechanics of it because that's when it gets a little bit less break, a little bit too hard and too similar to the slider so I don't get that, uh, that speed differential about slowing the bat down even more. Uh, Liam, when you, I, I remember when you signed with the White Sox, one of the, one of the things you talked about was coming and, and, and pitching for Tony. And I mean, so much of what, I mean, I understand analytics are in the game now and stuff has changed, but a lot of what we kind of grew up thinking about bullpen usage comes from stuff that Tony and, and, and Dave Duncan sort of kind of brought into the game and kind of massaged. What's it like pitching for a manager like that who has such a long track record with bullpen use? I love it. It was obviously a big uh, big reason why I came here. Uh, but in saying that, it's, it's pretty much lived up to every expectation I've had. He's willing to throw you. He, if you say you're good, he's going to use you. And that's something that I really appreciated. Talking to a few other teams during my free agency period, it was, okay, we're going to make sure we protect you and all this. It's like, I don't like being protected. 
mm-hmm. because I'm going to rust before I wear. So I want to make sure that I can go out there and pitch as much as I can and get to those aspirations that I have on a, on a personal level and get to those aspirations we have as a team. But the big one for me is just always making sure that I'm available to pitch. And if I'm available to pitch, he's going to use you in the situations that you're needed. And that's uh, something I've really appreciated. And that's now it's, it's transferring over. We had some guys last year that weren't quite used to that, those kind of roles. And now we're, as a bullpen, we're kind of figuring out like, Hey, you got to be ready at all times. And that's something that is only going to grow these guys' careers because you look at some of the guys who had the, the lofty game totals in their careers. Like you look at Brian Shaw. I mean, I think he's averaging like 75 a year yeah. mm-hmm. for his entire career. And like, there's a reason he keeps getting jobs. There's a reason he keeps fight, like sticking around. It's, it's not only because of what he can do, but it's, it's the fact that he's available every single day. And that's something that uh, I think the game is starting to like. There's too many guys are concerned with those little niggling injuries or little niggling, little pains or soreness or anything like that. And they're not, uh, they're not uh, taking a big old glass of cement and hardening up a little bit and, and just going out there and pitching when they need to. You know, I was watching the, watching Michael Kopech last night, and I, you know, I, I looked at him and kind of the sort of the transition he's going through right now. Are you are you able to help guys like that because you know, you were a starter, you've gone the middle reliever, now you're a closer. Has that has that allowed you to to maybe pass on some advice to these guys, especially the younger guys? Or Liam, is it just such an individual thing that you know there's no one size fits all philosophy? It's definitely more of an individual thing, and I think that's something that the game needs to be moving towards is that individual side of things, but. Like I can talk to Kopi and I can talk to him about it's not, it's never about like preparation. It's never about like the way he attacks guys. It's all about like just pitch like the way he pitches. It's just, it's never never about like certain things. But I leave that up to Lance Lynn. When you got a guy like Lance who's gone hmm. from the rota- from the bullpen to the rotation, he's a failed reliever. So he's uh, he's now in the rotation. <laughs> and he does it that way, but. Um, <laughs> He's a good he's a good vibe for Kopech, where it's like if but like last year it was great like we had me we had Craig we had uh, Aaron Bama who may not have been around a long time as, as long as some of the other guys but he knows what he's talking about and we got guys out there that uh, that are really good in taking those guys and just and like bouncing ideas up but we don't want to get too far into the weeds of things we don't want to make we don't want to get out there and be oh you need to do this 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 and this because that's not the way it is it's like if I started doing everything that everyone else was doing I wouldn't be here where I am today because I when I was almost out of the game, it was because I stopped and was like, look, I'm going to do things my way, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, I know that I went out on my terms, and here we are. Liam, is change hard for an older pitcher like you who's been there, had a lot of success doing it one way? You mentioned the saves. You mentioned all the routines, the same thing you do every, uh, every day to be where you're at. But, I, I, you know, the pitch comp thing is sort of an easy way for to ask this question about change. Is change hard to accept for a veteran pitcher like yourself? So I had issues with it when they told us they had to give it to us on the mound because it's like, look, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put the facade of me being a badass right now. I don't need to be fiddling around with my hat. <laughs> so once we got it figured out, it was probably three weeks in the season, I think, that they said, okay, you can, uh, we, we can, you can have a couple of them in the bullpen, and that's like I've got my own specific one with my number on it that's out there that no one else can have because <laughs> that's, that's the way I am right now. But. Um, it also it exacerbated the fact that I needed to use it because we had no guys on in my first two home games, and I crossed up the catcher tw- uh, three or four times because <laughs> apparently I can't see anything. <laughs> so um, that was the biggest. The catchers were like, yeah, you don't have to use it, but you have to use it. Yeah, you throw a 1,000 miles an hour. 
Oh my God! Whose voice? Yeah, well, Whose voice was that? We're all fastball. Well, that's good. They're all fast. They called fastballs, and I threw a breaking ball. So at least it wasn't the other way around. Yeah. Whose voice is in it? Do you get your own personalized voice? Well, I keep asking them, hey, can we figure out how to get Morgan Freeman in this thing? <laughs> like, can we figure out how to get one of them sultry voice? Can we, let's, get com- like, let's, do, let's go to the Chicago way. Let's get Common. Let's get some guys in there. That, right? Or can we just get someone screaming at me? But I have also, I've changed mine around a little bit because you can change the programs a little bit. Right. So I've changed mine. So there's no location on mine. Interesting. It doesn't say location, it doesn't say anything like that. So mine is, instead of being like four seam fastball, middle up, or whatever you need to be, I have in, out, up, and then slide a curveball. Like, I don't want the location. I don't need it because every, every slider I'm going to throw is going to be really pretty much in the same location if I'm throwing it where I need to. Same with the curveball. And then fastball is just in, out, or if you just want a middle up, just it's just up. So it's, it, it simplifies it a little bit because that's, all I, that's what I want to do with everything. I want to simplify things as much as I possibly can because I like to think I'm an intelligent guy, but I overthink absolutely everything, and then I get stupid. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's not believe me that's not restricted that's not restricted to baseball trust tr- tr- trust trust me about that uh liam listen i know you got a game to get ready for uh, we really appreciate your time today thanks so much uh stay healthy stay safe and uh we'll do this again as always thank you thank you so much all right cheers guys take it easy yeah. take care it's liam Hendricks. um that's I mean, brilliant i, I that, that that's, that's brilliant <laughs> I don't know what to say after that. That that's that's one of the best interviews we've ever had. He's uh I mean, I'll tell you, he It's too bad it's he's a, not a blue jay. That's what I want to well, say. Well we no, listen, we bad. we've we've gone we gone through that. We know that when he was a free agent, the Jays brought him into the to the complex and and uh, yeah, I mean Well, we know why he's not here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean and and you know, uh I kind of see it from I kind of see it from his point of view, yeah. You, know, you get you get to a certain point, and and um, I'm going where the I'm. We've talked about this. I'm going where the money in the term is, man. I just am. Oh, that's any job. You can't. Blame I am. Him. You can't blame me for that. No. But I tell you, it, it, every time, every time you talk about Charlie having a no brainer in the bullpen, I keep imagining what it would be like. Uh, so, can we uh, can we go an inning and two thirds today? Oh well, sure. The hard, well, the hardest thing would be not to abuse it. Like to back yeah. off it a little. Like how how yeah. would you? Oh, well, we still got him. He can go two innings. But do we really want to use him? But I mean that that's in May. I mean I, I would just tell people go look at his go look at Liam's day to day over the past three years, and, and just just kind of look at it. He's not a finesse guy either. No, he's giving it to you. No, <laughs> his day to day is is. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> the it, pitchcom thing was hilarious. During the playoffs, during the playoffs a couple of years ago, somebody made the point. It might have been Bob Melvin. Made the point that Liam Hendricks was like two relievers. That's that's perfect. Liam Hendricks was two relievers. He was his own setup guy and closer. That's perfect. Basically, is is what he said. It's like I have the. It's it's not just the quality of the work Liam gives you. It's the amount, and that effectively allows a lot of times eliminates one one bullpen arm from the sure. equation. But I, I love I, that what he said. Lance, I, Lance Lynn was a failed reliever. You know, Lance Lynn must have been in the back someplace here in that. I love something. how he he actually put a lot of thought into. He's trying to be a badass, and he it's actually putting that thing in his, the pitchcom thing in his hat. Doesn't look so bad. <laughs>
He put so much thought into it. It's part of his game. Sure I told it you it's a big deal for him to beat the dude on the on-deck circle. There's a handful of those guys yeah. that can do that, and he's one of them. It's a, that's a great conversation. That's that's just that's cool. I'm glad I'm glad we, we got to get him on. Uh, you know what time it is? It's time for Barker's Back Leg Bits. Mr. Gann, thank you very much for joining us. Be honest, you don't remember Kevin Barker Absolutely as a player, not. do you? It's like 50 years ago we played Good morning, guys. No, I drink too much. <laughs> that was Ozzy Gian reminiscing of his time managing Kevin Barker. Uh, I don't know if it's called if, if you say it's managing. Well, he, 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 he was had, a player. He was a player manager, he wasn't was he? Uh, yeah, I guess you that's can't. Why am I no, asking no, you? No, I no, probably he know was more the about manager, it than you. But do. he was not right. Like he stood up and talked. That's it. <laughs> Like I, he managed nothing. Like that's I tried to say it nicely, and then you badmouth me, and then I have to say it the way it is. He did absolutely nothing but stand in front of us and cuss a lot. That's that's basically what he did. How's that? All right, better. There you go. Oh my God! It's uh, Barker's (laughs) Barker's back leg fits. That is the oh Jesus! Uh, I tell you what, man. I'll tell you what. It is uh, Barker's. There you go. Back leg, had a boy, bits nailed it. That part of the, sh- that part of the show where you uh, get the DM, me at SN Jeff Blair with questions for, that's a dream for Kevin Barker. Oh, sh- shut up. Um, th- this is a question for you from a Twitter follower. Whose Twitter handle is a calm and reasonable man, which makes me, Uh-oh. which leads to the obvious question: Why are you on Twitter if you are a calm and reasonable man? Anyhow, and my name is Derek. His name is Derek. He's from St. John, New Brunswick. Uh, I want to say that both you and Barker are doing tremendous work on both shows, content. Um, he says he always enjoys when Kevin speaks about uh, hitting-related topics. Secondly, he wanted to ask. Is there ever a world where the Jays look at what Jansen gives them at 27 years old and Kirk being only 23, that they would consider moving Moreno in a deal for that next big piece? Uh, This is a question from uh, from Derek. Uh, Or is the front office aware they are approaching a point that they will need young, affordable MLB players still under control so that they can afford guys like Teo, Bo, and Vladdy to maximize their competitive window. I mean, you've answered your own question there, um, I, I think, Derek, and thanks for the question. But, Kevin, the reason I, I read it is, you know, you've got Jansen, you've got Kirk, and you've got Moreno, and we know that there's... I mean, the fan base wants to see Moreno at some point. It's like every fan base falls in love with prospects now. They just do. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's kind of the way we talk about the game. And we've said that, to our way of thinking, everything we've heard, the two prospects that are mm. untouchable are him and, and Aralvis Martinez. That's not what I heard. We've had, the, we've had the president of the Blue Jays on, and I asked him the question. There's and he nobody, said there's nobody. There's nobody untouchable. There it is. That's exactly what he said. Yeah. It's about winning now. But there are players that are untouchable. I, I mean, they're just. Let me let me rephrase that. Nobody's untouchable, but they're players that are less touchable than others. I guess is the way to put it. Uh, mm. and look, but the but the point is, um, 
yes, it's about winning now. But there's a price to winning now that makes guys, offensive players in particular, like Moreno and few maybe a year or so down the road, Martinez is important because we've talked about this. The way this team is constructed, you need more Alejandro Kirks. You need more Danny Jansen years, the type of years you're getting now. In addition to all the good stuff, you need another, you need another, you need a Santiago Espinal every year because in addition to paying your core guys for production, you've got to get value out of other positions. You can't, you can't pay everybody in your team 30 million bucks a year. You've got to have guys who are making little money contributing. And that's why to me that this is whatever people may say about prospects. Um, I think guys like Moreno and Martinez, guys who play prime positions, I think you have to hang on to those guys because at some point you're going to need them. You know, Jordan Groshans is to, to me, he's the guy that I would, I, I would consider putting in a deal, but man, Moreno, I just, I, 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 I just don't, I don't want to mess up that situation because I got a 27 year old catcher, a 23 year old catcher and another young catcher. And basically what I'm saying is, you know what, unless I can, Completely mismanaged this. Yeah. I'm set at catching for 10 years. Maybe. This organization. Maybe. I'm set at catching for you 10 think years. Moreno's a no-brainer, which I have no idea the answer to that. I'm not asking anybody that matters and makes decisions when it comes to prospects and if they think he's a no-brainer or not. Like, they think he, that is about as sure thing as you can get. It's just we're trying to give him as much experience at the minor league level so he don't go through the, his struggles at the big league level. If they think that... I'm with you. If it's the the deciding factor for me to get Jose Ramirez, mm-hmm. yeah, but that, I mean that's. Uh, I'm, I'm saying I'm well. That's your answer. Like you want an answer, and, and that's it's about winning now. The organization is a in win mode. They're not three years from now mode. Mm. Hmm. Rick Fair. On uh, great question, though. Twitter. No, no, it is, and it's, it's look. The catching situation is it's intriguing. It's it's, and I'm not sure there's a right answer to it. I don't think there is either. Nope. I think, I think there may be a right answer, and that right answer is not apparent right now. There I, it I is. guess is, is the, the way I put it. Yeah, every now and then, You're blind squirrel. Every now and then, blind squirrel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Rick Fair, I'm not a skull. Sky is falling, guy. Thank God, because we got enough of those around here. That being said, I have a real concern with our rotation. Something is wrong with Barrios. Something is wrong with Ryu. I have a bad feeling that both these guys have an extended IL. Stand ahead of them, and soon, probably at the yeah. same time. I, I got to say this about uh, about. And when did you send this? You sent it this morning. So after the Ryu news had came come out. The one thing I'm not, I'm not going to jinx Jose Barrios, but the one thing to keep in mind is this guy. This guy. This guy stays healthy. This guy stays healthy. I've made the point, and I'm sure people are going to get tired of me saying it. As long as he's answering the call and taking the taking the ball, they'll mm. figure something out with him. I do wonder though. Tabby made Pat Tabler made a point during the first game of the White Sox series where he kind of wondered whether or not um, whether or not. Jose Barrios may be going through a bit of a dead arm period, um, which would explain the velocity being down. Because the delivery and everything looks the oh, same. Oh, well, they, they have they have moved him on the rubber to make it uh, easier for him to get it into lefties. He has an issue with two strikes against lefties. Yes. You want to say something? Go ahead. You want to give the lineup? No, just the lineup's out. Uh, Santiago Espinal is leading off. Bobichet is at short. Vladdy's DHing. Teoscar's in right. 
Kirk's behind the plate. Biggio's at first. Chapman's at third. Tapia's in left field. Zimmer's at center field. Uh, there was no George Springer in the lineup. Mm. He is out with a non-COVID illness. So, um, which is the same thing he was out I, with I, yesterday. Yeah, that's that sounds like a winner to me. Uh, <laughs> I don't like the way you said uh, that. No, Springer. <clears throat> yeah, I, th- I think the Barrios thing. Uh, he's a spin at first guy. Uh, he has to have confidence in arm side command with the heater. He has. That's very inconsistent. The velocity's been up and down the dead arm. Hopefully that's it. At least they know what it is. And it's not something that they don't know what it is, which is worse than not knowing what it is. Whoa, that was a lot. Yeah. Uh, but the spinning and the being able to get lefties out, he has a real issue with lefties. Lefties against him, when he's throwing the breaking ball, they're not scared of it. They get to two strikes. They don't even need a two-strike approach against that. Watch it. It's a thing. That's why they're moving him on the rubber. That's why they're trying to make arm angles, arm slots tougher on the lefty to get the head out. Does That's that, why they're moving him to the first base scare, side of the rubber. Okay. That scares. Does that scare you when we're talking about arm angles and that? Because now you're talking well, no, about. He's a he's always been a, a three-quarter okay. arm slot guy. But when you're a spinning guy and you need to fill it off the fingers, and for whatever reason, he's just not getting finish. Finish like the break on the when he's good and going good, it's breaking late. Like it has, yeah. yeah, like it's, yeah, like it has now it's slurvy. Like it just has a tough time getting there. And you can see it. And like he, when he throws, it's like, why is it not going there, not mm-hmm. getting there? That's an issue. He's, he's been around too long to not know what it is. Like most guys who struggled and he struggled know what. Okay, if I do this, if I get it out there more, if I am a little quicker, if I sit it a little bit more on my on my foot that's on the rubber, I know what it was. You can tell he's done all that. He's doing all that, and it's just not coming off the fingers. And I hope it's dead arm because that explains it. Now they know how to fix it, maybe back him off a little. But that spinning thing, that scares me. Like, I, I just don't know why, and I don't think they do either. It's good stuff, Mr. Barker. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey, it's got your name in the show, my how friend. How about it? Uh, we'll be back tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360. As always, rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And Mr. Barker and myself will be on Blue Jays Talk immediately following today's game. 307 first pitch. Jays going for the sweep with Alec Manoa on the mound. you got to feel good about that. They seldom lose when Alec's on the mound. Have a great afternoon. Enjoy the baseball.